Now, I'm going to ask everybody in the building to get home out of your mind and Christmas out of your mind and travel out of your mind. I want your attention. I've got a message for you this morning that I don't want you to ever forget as long as you live in this world. And I want to tell you something. You know, I believe I can say this without boasting. I I don't think I'm boasting when I say this. I believe that God led me to found Bob Jones University. I thought that at the time I never would have done it. There wasn't any reason for me to do it except I felt God wanted me to do it. I believe God led us in the early days. I believe he led us in shaping the type institution he called us to found. I have found in the history of this school that before Christ has ever came any time, that God Almighty seemed to come to us and lead us along a line of a certain type message. I could go back and write a story. Now, I understand now, I know all my limitations. I know my imperfections. But I don't think it's boasting to say you believe God led you to do something. I don't think we ought not to do anything that he doesn't lead us to do, or unless we think he leads us to do. I don't think that's boasting. But I can go back in this school and tell you the moving of this school to this time. How God did it, how God fixed it. Every incident, every crisis, every event in the history of this school. God fixed it just at the right time and just the right way in some strange, miraculous turn of events. Now, you are sitting today in an auditorium on the campus of an institution upon which the guiding hand of God has been since this school started the first day we opened. No question in my mind about it. Now, that doesn't mean we make no mistakes. We make mistakes, but God overruled them. All of us make them. We make them every day. They've been made in this school. But there's one thing we've never made any mistake about, and that's a general purpose. We've known where we're going. You know, the idea of modern education is to know where you're going, what you want, what you're preparing for. This institution always has been sure of where it was going. Never any doubt about that. So the mistakes we made were mistakes not on where we were going or what we wanted to do, but mistakes in our effort to do the things that we felt God called us to do. Now, you take the messages that God has given us this week. I know that while there was some old ground covered, I am positive that God gave me the message I brought you yesterday morning and the message I brought you the morning before. I'm confident of that. I prayed God to lead me because after 23 and a half years, it isn't easy to stand up here and say something new. And I forget some of you folks here for the first year. And I asked God for the messages. And I believe God led me in the message. And I believe he's leading me this morning what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Because if Jesus Christ came here and told me what to say, I'd try to say it. Now, I think this is a message that I believe God wants you to have. And it's in line with the purposes and plan and program of this school. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to get every word I'm saying to you. Now, first, I'm reading from the first verse of the first chapter of Ephesians, just a verse. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are in Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, notice to whom this book is addressed. Keep that in mind now. He's talking to the saints at Ephesus, that saved people at Ephesus, and the faithful in Christ Jesus around all the world. That includes us if we are faithful, if we are at least saints. We are saints as far as our standing is concerned if we are saved. Just saints and sinners. Now, if you are saved, you're a saint. You may not be saintly, a saintly saint, but you're a saint if you're saved. Now then, 
I was sitting in my office this morning, and there ran through my mind something that I don't remember to have ever said before, and yet it's very simple. I don't know why I never said it, why I never thought of it. Did you know, uh, young people, did you know that God didn't tell us, it didn't take much space in the Bible to tell people what to do to be saved? You know, there's very little space in the Bible about to be saved. You know, just, a, just an occasional verse tells you what to do to go to heaven. It's much easier to tell a sinner how to go to heaven and teach him how to go to heaven than it is to teach a saved person how to live in this world. Now, I never said that before, and I, I guess I've thought of it, but never that way. I can take the vilest sinner ever lived and tell him in one minute how to go to heaven. But this book's filled up with telling you folks who have gone your way to heaven how to live in this world. And Bob Jones University, in the day it's found until now, has been a practical institution. It has always underscored the practical application of the Word of God. Now listen just a minute. I told you when the highways of America were crowded with university graduates and college graduates out of a job, all of our boys and girls had work. There isn't any student that ever attended this institution that went along the practical lines that we emphasized that ever had any trouble out in the world fitting in. And God doesn't want you to be a misfit, and if you are a misfit, you are not under the guiding hand of Almighty God. You don't have to be a misfit. And I won't tell you something else I'm surprised about. I'm surprised going through the Bible to find out how much it has to do with the practical everyday things of life and, and how little it has to do with the mystic. Oh, we need of the glory that ought to be in all that wonderful heaven and all that sort of thing. But this is the most practical book that's ever been written. If you were traveling in a far country today as an American citizen, they would tell you how to handle your money over there. They'd tell you what to do about how to spend it. They'd tell you what the customs of the country were, how to get along. Now, notice a minute. You don't belong in this world if you're a Christian. Our citizenship's in heaven. We belong up there. And we were saved in a second. The very moment we trusted Jesus, like a flash of lightning, life came into us. Just that quick. But this country is filled with Christians that never did learn what God Almighty told them about how to live in this far land through which we're passing. Now, you are passing through an enemy's country. The God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the rulers of the darkness of this world, you're passing through it. Now, God Almighty tells you how in this Bible how to live in this country. This you can tell sinners how to go to heaven and never be worth a continental in telling saints how to live. You know, we're in the worst mess in this country about the way Christian people are living. All sorts of discords among Christians. Backbiting. Stabbing folks in the back. Wagging their tongues. Violating the word of God on all those matters. Stirring up strife among brethren. There's less strife on this campus than any place I know, considering the number of people that live in. We have very little strife here. You have very little fuss in your dormitories. You know, we used to preach a sermon here in Proverbs where that he said there's one thing God Almighty said, I won't tell you folks one thing I hate. 
And that's stirring up strife among Christian people. That's about all some of our fundamentalists do. Go around backbite and talk about it. You heard so and so and so and so and so and so. And he doesn't agree on this one little point here. And usually a little point isn't is so little it doesn't make much difference one way or the other. And God Almighty turns right around this country and forbids you to judge people in their meat and drink. Listen, you can send these students out in this school today, and if they brought a hundred thousand people to Jesus Christ during the holidays, you've got fundamentalists in this country wouldn't forgive you for having Shakespeare and pray on this camp platform. They wouldn't say Bob Jones University boys and girls let a hundred thousand people in Jesus during the holidays and say, you know, they have drama at Bob Jones University. That's not Christianity. Christianity underscores a big thing. Christians that live right in this world are Christian men and women that underscore things that are big. They may be sorry about little things. Suppose a preacher boy in Bob Jones University went off here and held revival. Had 10,000 people converted and came back here. Great revival. People saved by the thousands. And suppose he's entertained the home and came back here and didn't write a letter to that fellow. Didn't write a letter to the home where he's entertained and thank him for the kindness. Well, he ought to write the letter. He shouldn't fail to do the little courteous thing because the Bible tells us about all those things. But what's the matter? Listen. I know folks in this country say, he's not a gentleman. And he, he isn't altogether a gentleman. But you know, a man that loves souls doesn't write the big thing and say, well, I wish that fellow had written a letter to that good woman that cooked him a good meal and thanked her, but, but you know, he sure did win a lot of people to Jesus. A pity he's got that little rough, uncouth, ungentlemanly appreciation about it. I know people sit under the ministry and evangelists that preaches to hundreds of people and gets them saved. Thousands of them convert somebody say, I didn't like his style. You didn't. That's all unchristian. That's Christianity on the rights of big things, not the little things. The things that are big and important, Jesus, preeminent Christ, salvation of souls. The practical things of life, the, the big things. If you had a clerk waiting you down in the store, and uh, he sold more goods than anybody down there, you're a good businessman. You might say, well, he isn't perfect. There's some little things about his personality I wish didn't exist. I don't like the way he walks. He's, he's bow-legged. And some about him, I wish he was a little different. But you'd underwrite the big things. The world underwrites the big things, and we underwrite the little things as Christians. Now notice, in this marvelous book of Ephesians, what's Paul do? Now he comes on here now. He's telling us how to live. He said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. See, isn't that practical? Say, I sure is ordinary, everyday practice of mind your mother and father. Say, did you ever think? That's coming down out of the mystic to the ordinary home of America. Where children are supposed to be Christian. That's God's stand. Children. Christian children, obey your parents. That's, see how practical it is? 
Don't believe in rules. Don't believe in regulations. Some folks, nobody's going to tell me how to live. Well, God Almighty tells you how to live in this world. Go on. Honor thy father and my mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Don't overthrow that commandment. Some people are doing that day. You go home and put your arm around your old dad at Christmas and tell him, Dad, I'm so glad I'm a Christian and I understand the Christian's young person's duty to his dad. I want to thank you for your kindness to him. I want to thank you for the way you've been so good to me down there. Gave him this opportunity and tell your mother that you thank her sacrifices me. Honor thy father and mother. That it may be well with thee as thou and thou mayest live long on the earth. You don't go to heaven by honoring your mother and father. You go to heaven by trusting Jesus. But there's something about the fundamental principles here that have to do with this world and you'll live longer. In this world, if you live right. Now notice. And say, you fathers, now you listen, you fathers. Wrote not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Be a reasonable father, a reasonable mother. Do the right thing. And whether dad does right or not, you do right. And whether you do right or not, let dad do right. Don't let make somebody else's wrongdoing an excuse for your wrongdoing. Now it comes down to people that work in the cook in the kitchen. The fellow that washes the dishes. Folks that dust the floor. Servants. Be obedient to your masters according to the flesh. In other words, if you paid for it, or you're a slave or a servant... If you're employed, whatever may be the condition, you're there, uh, take orders. Do what you're told to do. With fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Listen, if you are the right kind of Christian, and you have a scholarship on Bob Jones University campus, and you neglect it, and you are not living right. And if you go out to preach a sermon for Jesus Christ and don't do the best you can, you're not living right. And if you stay up all night long and uh, not fit for the duties of the next day and its responsibilities when you couldn't sleep, you're not living right. You know that old statement about folks being the heavenly minded and no earthly good holds in this world. Now he tells these folks employed, not with eye service, men pleasers. But as servants of Christ, servants of Christ, I'm washing dishes for Jesus. I'm giving this Christmas gift to somebody for Jesus. I'm singing this song for Jesus. I'm praying this prayer for Jesus. I'm preaching this sermon for Jesus. I'm rearing this baby for Jesus. I'm putting this money in the plate for Jesus. I single, I single all the time, everywhere, under all circumstances, under all conditions. I'm doing it for Jesus Christ. Now let's come down to earth. Let's, let's, you may have a poor boss down here, but if you'll do it for Jesus Christ, he won't fail to reward you. Your boss may be unreasonable, but he is. Jesus is. With good will, doing service to the Lord, not unto man, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, that is any Christian man, any good thing you do, and nothing that you do is good that you don't do unto the Lord. 
Let's remember that now. There isn't anything that any Christian does that's a good thing that isn't done unto the Lord. If you preach for salary, that's the motive that prompts you. It's not under the law. It's all right to get the money, but that's what you're out for. Wait a minute. If you let a religious political machinery control you, and you do it for a job in a machine, it's not under the law. Every eye single to him. He said, keep your eye on me now. Always on me. Not looking for man to please them. Keep your eye on me. Something comes up in your life where I say do this and they say don't do it. You do what I say. Eye on me. Pleasing the Lord all the time. You're not at home now, but you belong to me. You're on another man's territory down there, but uh, that territory he wouldn't have if I hadn't made it. And ye masters do the same thing unto them. That's the employers. For bearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is I respect to person with him. Beware of anybody that kowtows to his, in, uh, his superiors and opposes on his inferiors. Anybody that'll mistreat somebody under him as a dirty crook and ought never to call himself a Christian. If I am going to mistreat somebody, I want to pick somebody on a higher plane and I move as far as the world's concerned. Some people bow down and, and anybody that's above them, they kowtow to them. And if somebody's under them, they kick them around and cover them by like dogs. Finally, my brethren, I'd like to remind you of something. You need help. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not powerful enough. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You can't be a good son or daughter, a good father and a mother, a good master or a good servant, or do a good job anywhere without divine help. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Notice, you're going to have to fight a battle. You're a soldier. I want you to get ready for battle. Going to have a hard time doing right. Remember, you'll be all right when you get home, but you're not home yet. And I've got your room fixed up here where you can rest from all the weary struggles, but you're not here yet. And I just want to remind you that you've got a battle on your hands. It's a terrible battle. And I want you to be prepared for it. Talk about preparedness for a job. Listen just a minute. That's all right. Preparedness for a position somewhere, all right. But preparedness for life as a Christian in this world. Prepared to live in a world as a Christian. How am I as a Christian going to live in this world? With the cards of circumstances against me. With the powers and rulers of darkness above me. With forces of evil about me. 
and stand for my convictions. And how can I go on and keep on going on and keep on keeping on? How can I do it? That's the question. All right, he said, I'll tell you. Put on the armor of God. Well, that's nice. What kind of uniform is that? Put it on so you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, you've got a shrewd enemy. You're not as smart as he is. You can't lick him. You're not big enough. And you listen to me. He'll lick you during the holidays if you don't listen to what I'm saying and do what God tells you to do here. You'll come back at the end of Christmas holidays a defeated Christian as sure as you are here if you don't listen to God Almighty. Put on the arm of God. Whole arm. Whole, underscore whole. Don't go out half equipped, half prepared. And you can put that armor on right here this morning before you go off this campus. Doesn't take a year to do this. You can do it right now. What is it? That you may be able to stand against the wild devil, for we wrestle not. What? Yeah. It's a hard battle. It's terrible. It's scary. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not man against man and woman against woman. It is mind against mind, wit against wit. It's not strength against strength human. It's not backbone against backbone. It's not intestinal fortitude against intestinal fortitude. It isn't shrewdness against shrewdness. If that was so, we could train how to match. As a great friend of mine used to say, beat them with brain. You can't win in this battle just with brain. The greatest geniuses the world ever saw didn't win. The most brilliant intellects the world ever knew went down defeat. It takes more than brain for this fight. You've got to have something else. You're not flesh against flesh and blood against blood. He said, but we are wrestling against principalities. Against powers. Powers. Principalities. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. He's not talking about President Truman. And the king of England, and he's not even talking now about uh, Joe Stalin. He's talking about the rulers of darkness, evil ones, unseen forces, terrible armies, rulers of darkness. Now, they influence men. They influence thinkers. But I don't think there's any question he's talking here about unseen evil forces. Something above us, something about us, something that rules, something that keeps the darkness over the earth and blinds the eyes of men so they cannot see. Rules of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies, not just up on a high hill somewhere. Up yonder. When the other night when I meant to say yesterday, when Faust, uh, in the opera Faust, when the devil went down into hell, that's unscriptural. The devil did not drop into hell at the close of that scene. When he left the church, he went back up to the principalities and powers and thrones and the heavens above you. He's going to hell. You don't have to go, but he has to go. His doom sealed. He doesn't drop into hell. He... He goes back up and sits down on his throne up yonder. 
and gives orders to his empire and sends the rulers of darkness out so they'll be up in Michigan and Pennsylvania and out on the coast in the Hollywood atmosphere. And he goes back up there. You know, it almost freezes my blood in my veins when I think what we're up against. And you listen to me. He's had that army in training since he fell like lightning from heaven. And the army is better trained now than it ever has been in the history of the devil from the time he fell. And the world's morale is breaking down. And he's organizing his forces. As we go towards the close of this age, there's going to be more and more demon manifestation. Listen, I've seen more demon manifestation in my evangelistic work in the last year than I'd seen, used to see in two or three or four years when I started. And you're going to meet more and more of it. And you are going. I heard about one of our boys this morning was here one time. Son of a missionary. We tried to drill the truth into him. His old daddy did it overseas. Boy, it wasn't right here. And my recollection is we didn't take him back. Wasn't right. You couldn't get into it. He's a smart elegant. Thought he could stand. And he's gone down. And you'll go down. If you stick out your chest and pull in your stomach and stick out your chin and strut yourself and think you're a big one. And if the God of ambition gets hold of your ambition, I talked to a young man here the other day. Ambition's got him. Bugs on popularity. Watch your step, buddy. You better watch your step. It's the way he fell. That's the way the devil fell. Same thing. He stuck out his chest one time, too. Strutted his stuff. Wherefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. That's this day. And the evil day will be again tomorrow. And other evil days that may be more evil than these days are out yonder ahead of you. If you can't stand the test of Christmas holidays after these months here, how are you going to stand when the darkness really settles? Stand, therefore, having your loins good about with truth. <laughs> Dress up with truth. Be sincere. Don't go around over this country and drool piety and be as mean as the devil. Don't go around and preach against dancing and then have a date that night and hug your girl all the way home. Don't be a humbug and a liar and a hypocrite and a crook. Be a straight shooter for God and be sincere. You know, in this school, every time a fellow gets unreasonable about some little nothing, he's always a backslider. I got a letter from a boy here that graduated several years ago, just a day or two ago. 
He said, when I was in school, I used to complain about your telling all the preachers not to come back in the fall unless they spoke to at least one person a day about his soul. And I went around saying, uh, well, I believe in the Holy Ghost leading a man, that Brian. I believe in the Holy Ghost leading him. And that sort of situation, I don't believe in that sort of thing. I criticized and all that kind of business. You never heard about it. And I don't even, Freddie said, I don't think I even deserve my diploma. And I wrote him, I said, I think if you've reached the point where you're reasonable, which you weren't very reasonable in school, it's an indication you must be right. Beware of all of these folks that are averse to taking suggestions when they're young, that are very opinionated and are very unreasonable and make a big hullabaloo about nothing. Watch them. Great Christians with great vision and great spiritual impulses are not that kind. They're reasonable, sane, well-balanced. Any unreasonable, insane attitude of any Christian anywhere on earth is a satanic manifestation. Be sincere. Be frank. If you're wrong, say so. Go to apologize, apologize. Don't cover up, don't strut. All right, now listen. He said, have your loins good with truth. And have you on the breastplate of righteousness. Not only his righteousness that saves you, but be straight. Walk around there with a breastplate on your righteousness. The most invulnerable thing you can wear is the righteousness of Christ and an upright Christian life. The armor of the devil can't pierce it. All the arrows shot from the devil's bow can't get through that kind of an armor. Wear it. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, be a messenger boy for Jesus Christ and the best way on earth to keep a backsliding is go out and bring somebody to Jesus Christ. You know you can hardly backslide when you've got a fellow at the mourner's bench telling him to trust Jesus. Listen, do you want to come back here a victorious Christian? Win everybody to Jesus Christ to can during the holidays and be God's messenger boy with feet running with a gospel of peace. Girl told me one time, she was on the train, one of our Bob Jones girls, so I sat down there and a fellow came by, began to try to play it with me. So I opened my Bible and said, you know, I like reading Bible and said, are you a Christian? She said, I got rid of him immediately. He didn't bother me anymore. You know, it's something about that sort of boldness that tells them. You know, an old politician told me one time I was a boy, something I've never forgotten. He said, whenever you're under fire in even a political campaign, that's the time of all times to stick your thumb in your vest and walk out and bare your chest and be bold. Holy boldness. Stand up. Talk for Jesus Christ. Don't dodge the issue. Don't cover up. Don't, don't soft pedal. Be bold about it. Be God's message. Above all, taking the shield of faith. You'll need it. Shield. Faith. 
It's all right. He's all right. Jesus is my Savior. I'm on his side. He'll take care of me. I'll be home at last. Faith, 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 faith. It will not be shaken. That's not all. Somebody said, just faith. Listen, faith's all right, but don't forget the rest of this all. Shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. Devil will shoot you from above. He's up there. He's not going to shoot you from out of hell. Be sure you are saved. Be absolutely positive, unequivocal. Take no chance with your soul. Be dead certain about it. The only man that can hope to be saved is a, is a man that knows whom he's believed. Helmet of salvation. Sword of the Spirit in the Bible. <laughs> and Jesus wanted to get rid of the devil. He just took the sword and quoted God's word and ran him off and defeated him. Sword of the Spirit. Get thee behind me, Satan. God said also something else. God doesn't contradict one statement with another statement. Sword of the Spirit. Praying always. You better pray. You better pray. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication with all for all saints. Listen. Pray with your eyes open. I mean the eyes of your soul. It's not enough just say, Oh Lord God, I'm going to turn this thing over to you now. And trust you, God gave you some eyes to look with. Feet to walk with. Mind to think with. Backbone you're supposed to have. Young people, what are you going to do about it? You're going to win or lose. You say you're on your way to heaven. Say you got a home up yonder. Say you trust Jesus. What, how are you going to live in this world? Paul writing over here in 2 Corinthians, just one verse, I'll quote it. That'll be the last. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Listen, he can't win unless he gets the advantage of us. He's a dirty, cowardly enemy. He's audacious, but he's a coward. I've told you before, let me say it again, resist the devil. And God Almighty says he'll flee from you. I'll let you on a little secret. You know, I'm going to preach my last sermon sometime. And I, I never have, as far as I know, said this before. But I'll give you a little story. We won in this school all through the years, and everybody must admit we've got something here. Can't anybody come around here and, and turn up the nose at this thing? You can't turn up your nose at a school where there's uh, 3,000 students and 1,100 of them studying for the ministry and nearly 500 folks going to the mission field and come the distance you come. You can't turn up your nose at this thing. Even the devil can't do that. Nobody back up. No church, no association, no state. Uh, they can cuss us, but they can't turn up their nose while they cuss. You know we've got some of you. They all know that. Devil knows that. Listen, but I've learned whenever a crisis comes, devil tries to entrench himself. Never ask what somebody will say. Never ask what will be the results. Just say, is this the right thing? 
And if there's somebody on the campus that ought not to be here, put him off. Resist the devil. Don't wonder how he'll come out. That's God's business. Just do right about it. Resist him. Don't you give him any advantage. He'll take a wicked, cruel stranglehold on you. You give him the least bit of advantage, he's going to get you. Now, wait a minute. Lest he should get the advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. <laughs> the greatest ignorance in Christendom is ignorance of the devices of the devil. The greatest ignorance on the part of Christian people is of the devices of the devil. I know theologians that don't seem to know the devices of the devil. I don't know the Bible like some people know it, and I'm not a theologian like some people are, but I've learned his devices on the battlefield for 52 years. I know his methods of operation. Getting a great revival, power of God falls on the people, everything's wonderful. Devil gets angry and stirs up strife and tries to make trouble. The greater the meeting, the greater the opposition. Power of God sweeps over community. Devil tries to divide the preachers and make them fuss about something. Try to split a board over. And let me tell you something. You teachers don't know what I've been doing. Nobody but God Almighty knows anything about it. And you young folks know nothing of the battles for 23 years we fought. Day in and day out. And nine-tenths of those battles were unnecessary. They were brought about by satanic uh, uprisings. They were unnecessary battles. Listen, I read in the Bible about how he wears the saints down, wears them down. That's one of his devices. Gets us all worn out, testing us and picking on us and persecuting us. And all the saints of God lifting up the flag, he tries to tire them and wear them out so they're too weary to keep on for God. Oh, what Paul suffered. Cold in jail. Beaten left by the roadside. Deserted by friends. Wrote in his book, Demas has forsaken. Only one of them's left with me. All down the road, hounded, persecuted, lied about, misrepresented, slandered. Listen, you know why Paul got that kind of a deal? He walked with God in a way that very few men ever walked with God. Reason you don't get more of it and I don't get more of it. We're just not as good Christians as Paul. If we'd go doing Paul's job, we'd get it. I'm ashamed that I've had so little of it. And then he could write about glory and tribulation. You better learn about the devil. And don't you give him any advantage. And remember, greater is he that's in you and he that's in the world. You don't have to be defeated. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. <laughs> the humblest Christian on this earth They'll stand up against the devil. And the power of Jesus Christ 
can walk off from every battlefield victorious, can be more than a conqueror. I want you to win. I want you to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. As the years pile up on me, I don't envy you young folks. You won't be off of this campus one hour until you meet the devil's forces somewhere. And you may have already met those forces in your thinking. Don't give them any advantage of you. You be during the holidays what God Almighty wants you to be. And remember... It's much easier for a sinner to know what to do, how to be saved, than it is for a Christian to know all about how to live. But you ought to know. The discipline you've had in this school is Bible discipline. The discipline that fundamentalists are laughing at on other campuses that you have here belongs to the Bible. All the opposition to it is satanic. It's one of the devices of the devil to give excuses for sin. All of it is satanic. The attack on this institution. You know, the most difficult thing has been since we started this school was not our theology. It hasn't been to be orthodox. That hasn't been hard. The hardest battle we've had is to have discipline. Almost alone in that fight. We're almost alone today in the position we're taking. They'll laugh at you during the holidays about it. But this restraint and self-control and discipline is out of the Bible. It's teaching a Christian how to live in this world like a Christian ought to live in this world. I wonder if you know how a Christian ought to live. If you don't know, what about the folks that never had your chance? What about these poor folks you're going to meet that came home from schools and universities where there isn't any gospel and no prayer meetings and nobody's trying to win them to Jesus Christ? What about those who sat and had poured their hearts and heads of philosophy of do as you please, live your own life? You'll be an example to them during the holidays. A good example. Be faithful to Jesus Christ.